0: Hey everyone. I'm Wow, and this is season 3 of the 235 film podcast. This season we are diving into the films that changed us. In each episode of this season, Brant and I have picked one film to talk through and explore the reasoning as to why they have impacted us in the way they have. Brant is kicking things off this season with one of his picks. Brant, what are we talking about today?
1: So yeah, like uh, uh, this is the third and uh, is that right? Third installment of a uh, series that we've been doing on here uh, called Speed. Why we love Keanu Reeves. Do I have that right? This is our third episode of that. Well, there's only two speeds, so I don't even start talking about speed two. This is three separate episodes on the first speed. We started on Willem Dafoe. I think I'd argue that speed two is my favorite speed. Solely because of Willem Dafoe? I think so. I love leeches also. So it's like. Not only <laughs> does Willem Dafoe make uh, it, like a cameo, was a thing. but he also makes a cameo with leeches. So it's I like, totally forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Don't you remember he had him? I, I think I think he was like getting high on leech juice or something. He was like having to <laughs> suck his legs. No, you know what it was? He had a disease and leeches were the only solution to his disease. <laughs> Well, that I mean, I think hijacking I think a cruise ship, I think.
0: His, his character might have been all about the uh, leeches, but I know that for sure Willem Dafoe was not about the leeches, as we see in Life Aquatic when Steve Zissou gets some swamp leeches and oh my no one else does. <laughs> Willem I Dafoe wrote right into his contract two. like, no, I do not want that. <laughs> wow.
1: The connections that we've made
0: in this. <laughs> well, I literally just finished watching it. So. Oh,
1: my goodness. Wow. Incredible. There's got to be something to that. Hey, there it is. There it is. Anyway, so how should we start this off? This third episode of our installments on speed. Why we love Keanu Reeves. (laughs) We are not doing speed. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, um,
0: I will say, though, if you, if anybody's interested into uh, listening to some podcast about Keanu Reeves, there's a great one out there called uh, Can't Get Enough of Keanu. It's pretty great. It's fantastic. It's hilarious.
1: Yes. Can't Get Enough of Keanu. What's their most current season about? Keanu Reeves, <laughs> no, but don't they do like every season is a different one, right? Every
0: every season they change the name of the podcast. So the first one was about um, Josh Hartnett, and it was called uh, We Heart Hartnett. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty great. And then season two is about Keanu Reeves, and then they changed the name of the podcast to I can't gotcha. get enough of Keanu. Yeah, can't
1: get enough of Keanu. <laughs> what do you think pretty your great. favorite Keanu Reeves performance is? John uh, Wick, I th- my think own so. Private
0: Idaho. No, John Wick. I think would probably be my favorite performance of his. Uh, I don't know if it would be in my his best, but my favorite. It's probably the ones I can't get enough of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> you can give me as much uh, John Wick films as possible, and I'll just eat them up.
1: Do you think they'll do any more? or Is three? all, all I think there's do? one
0: more. I think there's one more in uh, pre-production or in post-production or something.
1: So there was John Wick, John Wick 2 Parabellum, right? I don't remember if Parabellum was the second or the third one. I think the third was John Wick Chapter 3.
0: Was it? Maybe. You might be right. I think so.
1: I I might be wrong, though. I mean, the good news is this isn't a film podcast, so (laughs) (laughs) there's no pressure (laughs) to get it right. You're right. Uh, I'll do some research uh, and let you know.
0: I will say uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I think the listeners would appreciate that, too. Uh, you can let us know in the next next episode, which we don't know when we're going to actually get out because it's been a while since we got this
1: one. huh? Chapter three was Parabellum.
0: John oh, Wick OK. Was thank chapter you. Chapter two.
1: There we go. John. Wick we don't even have to wait. It's coming <laughs> out
0: in twenty twenty two. See, I knew it. I knew it. Um, and I'm sure they won't stop there.
1: It's
0: kind of a well, money making machine. They at this should, point, Shouldn't they? Uh, I mean, if it's good enough, then I don't see a reason why to stop. Is it good enough? I like the first 3. I, I love the world creation that they've built in there. <laughs> yeah, and it's I don't pretty even wild, know if it is. It? Yeah. I I love it. I don't know if it's a uh, it's based off a comic or not. I haven't really read up on it on it, but um I I love the world creation they have in the film and I'm down to be going back there as many times as possible.
1: Yeah. I can't get enough <laughs> of Keanu. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? Is this like your free advertisement for them right now at this point? Yeah. I mean, you brought them into this. So now I'm just trying to make sure we get all the listeners over to those guys that we can. Fair. Hey, um, it's been a while since we recorded the podcast. I think so. Yeah. La La Land was the last episode we did.
0: And we rec- I think we released that like the first week of this year. Or all did right. we?
1: I think it was closer to to the end of January, but we recorded it it last year, I think.
0: Right, right. That's right. Yeah, so this is our first podcast recorded in twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Blowing the dust off the old cover here, getting ready to (laughs) just crack open this book and dive right back in, just gobbling up knowledge. (laughs)
0: Wouldn't you say? I guess so. Hey, I'm pretty excited about this season uh, being that it's about movies that, you know, we love, basically. Yes. Unless <laughs> there's a movie on your list that changed you, but for all the wrong reasons.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. I was thinking about that after we established our list. And, like, I started thinking about the films. So so the basis for this season is the films that changed us. And then I started thinking about, like, The films that I hated so much, so they set a new baseline in my mind, you know?
0: (laughs) Let me get some of the uh, films on that list.
1: Do you have any films on your list like that? Of the films I hate so much? Yeah.
0: Ooh. That's difficult.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I feel
0: that I hate so much that I couldn't even watch again if I wanted to.
1: Yeah. Or like, uh, not even that. Like, think, think about Requiem for a Dream, for instance. Okay. Like, that one, you might not hate it, but it affected you in a way to where you don't really want to watch it again, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't think I'll ever watch that movie again.
1: So, like, that's, that's, those are kind of the things that I think about. Or like, oh. What's that <clears> movie with uh, Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> Meet Joe Black.
0: Meet Joe Black, yeah.
1: Yeah, see, that's one that I can like truly appreciate and respect, but yeah. I don't think I'll ever watch that again. I think I may watch it again
0: because I, I think I want my wife to watch it because I, I really enjoy that movie, actually.
1: Yeah, it's good. But, but it is just... a slow, <laughs> oh, slow, my slow burn, yes. like very slow. Yeah, uh, almost like you – know <laughs> Oh, oh, Sorry, over, over expunged like like I hmm. mean what is it? it's three and a half hours long right or three hours long I think it's three and a bit yeah it just feels like there's so much explanation there so much layout
0: there is I think what intrigues me the most about that film is the the plot it's interesting if death could be personified to the point where it literally becomes a person and then learns to live. That's such an interesting plot element, you know? Yeah. So I think I I think I fall in love with that plot element. And the first time I watched it, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I hated Brad Pitt's performance in that film. Yeah. Because it's so wooden it's so like bland. Yeah. But when you think about it, he's playing death. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, how do you want him to act that? <laughs> right. Right So I think I'm the more the more I've watched it, the more I've uh, kind of fallen in love with that movie. But I think it's just like this um it's one of those guilty pleasures of mine for that movie because I know that there's so many different ways you can claim that that movie is terrible and it's awful, but I just can't get enough of that one.
1: Yeah, I it, and there you go. Films <laughs> have changed us. There you go. You love and that's it. the season. I hate it. <laughs>
0: I think that movie almost made it to my list, um, but I decided to go against it just because of. I don't think I could figure out enough of why I changed you. Yeah, I wanted the reason to have it on the podcast, and right. I couldn't think of a, enough reasons to like have it on the po- on this season specifically. You know, I don't think it really changed me as much as like it just left its like mark on me. You know.
1: Yeah. Have you seen the house that Jack built?
0: Um, I have not. Who's in that?
1: Uh it it's nobody. It's it's Matt Dillon, but he's like the most notable name oh, in it. Matt
0: Dillon. Yeah. You don't think it's of a, him as an A-list.
1: No. It's a Von Trier movie. You know Lars Von Trier? Yes. Yeah. Uh it, you just got Is me this thinking a about it. Uh no. Came out in this century
0: <laughs> that's 2018.
1: interesting 18 um it, i guess that makes sense the idea is jack is um a normal person with social disability who becomes a serial killer as we see him on screen but the whole time the whole time the film's narrated by someone um mm-hmm. who's like name is verge like he's given the name verge but Uh towards the end we find out that he's actually death guiding jack through uh hell for lack of a better word that's cool but when we got talking about meet joe black um it's like it's like the two complete opposites like meet joe black is about you know death becoming personified but almost to enrich someone else's life after the fact Mm mm-hmm but the house that Jack built is death becoming personified, only to guide, kill, yeah, a person <laughs> into their deepest torment and torture.
0: That's so interesting.
1: It's really good. It is so long and oh, Oh man, but it, it's like it's like um, spiritualistic cinema, uh, like the opposite of what Terrence Malick tries to do. It's like. It's like weighty, like neo-spiritualistic, like end of life. I think I'm going to put that on my list. Put it on there. It's on Hulu.
0: There you go. I'm going to watch it pretty soon. Not tonight. Tonight I'm reserving for the new King Kong Godzilla film. King Kong, Godzilla which you've, versus you've Kong. Already,
1: you've already watched it, right? Yes. So, uh, as we're recording this, it is March 31st, which means <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong came out hit today. HBO Max at 12.01 this morning. <laughs> and I absorbed it at 10 a.m. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, um, uh, tell me your thoughts without spoiling anything.
1: Um, you like Pacific Rim, right?
0: Yeah, it's real fun. I, I mean, I'm still that that little kid that loves playing with monsters, you know. So
1: yes, Godzilla versus Kong is perfect in that Great. regard. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, we can all agree that we're not we're not going into a Go- Godzilla movie hoping that there's just some elaborate. I mean, n- I plot I, development, uh, right? <laughs> I was going
0: into the first one because the trailers made it seem like there was so much of a of an acting powerhouse within the film but then what's his name kyle chandler that, no, no 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 um his brother no kyle chandler is it his brother no oh, the dude Brian from breaking Granson? bad yes yeah. he dies like immediately practically yes. in the film yep and uh the trailers all made it seem like he was gonna have this huge major role as far as like acting in the film like just have like this this like persona of like I don't know, so much emotion and weightiness behind it. And the trailer totally fooled me. So, yeah, but hey, I still love Aaron that movie. Taylor
1: Johnson the entire time. I, I still, I still,
0: yeah. But <laughs> as, as soon as I made the connection that it wasn't going to be an acting, like f- centered forward film, you know, um, I was like, I'm all right, I'm cool. I'm ready to have fun, you know? And I yeah. did. So,
1: yeah, I, I, you know, the first one I got on board with and I was like, okay, You know, I'm going to follow this monarch train and figure out like what's going on. You know, there's Titans everywhere. Obviously, we're going to find more Titans, whatever. (laughs) And then the second movie came out and it was a completely different cast, a completely different storyline. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what is going on here? And then when you know it, the third one comes out, Godzilla versus Kong. Completely different cast, brand new people, <laughs> brand new characters. It almost reminds me of the was there no, Planet was of there the nobody, Apes movies.
0: I haven't seen. I saw the trailer, but I don't remember it now. But um, Kyle, Kyle Chandler there, and Millie was Bobby no, Brown. That's so it. Those was the only Brie, two takeovers? So Brie Larson, Brie Larson didn't come no, back from no, her because Kong's Co- Island oh, is different? was in the fifties, yeah, right? So, I just remember that.
1: I mean, who would play good? Soul old? Island Brie Larson. Wow, that was great. Heck, oh, dude. <sighs> So out of all the Godzilla movies oh and
0: the Kong movie, Go- Kong gosh. is the best.
1: Kong is hands down the best. So <laughs> I, I had watched Kong for the first time when we did that little stint like two months ago. Those social media blasts as I was yeah. watching the Godzilla movies in like it was right as the trailer for Godzilla versus Kong came out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm gonna watch all of these, get the fans hyped on the new movie. And that was the first time I'd seen Kong and dude, I that was a sleeper one for me. That one was really good. Like filming, color, Yeah, really, it was great. really good.
0: Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Hey, we should probably get into this though. We should probably talk about the film we're talking about. Yes. Today. All that to
1: say. Kong Skull Island changed me. (laughs) There You're changing your pick. Yes. This episode we'll be calling Kong Skull Island. Uh, No, today we're talking about The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Uh, You and I actually have a little bit of history with this film. We do. I think the first time I ever watched it, I watched it with you. Yeah, and or then, you
0: lent it to me or something.
1: Yep, in college, and then yeah. we, uh, you I, I moved up to Wisconsin, and then you uh, flew up here, and we went to a David Bowie tribute show. That's right. With uh, I'll let you do the honors of pronouncing his with name. With so who plays yes. Pele in this yep. film, mm-hmm. yeah, Pele, uh, with a Portuguese rendition of David Bowie's top hits. Yeah really really good show that
0: was a good show yeah Yeah. that was a good time i i actually forgot about that
1: (laughs) really good time yeah i i I think it's my number one memory of all time but i'm glad to know that you forgot about it so that's great this will be the last episode of the 235 film podcast going out we're actually just gonna end it right now So.
0: Uh, hey, yeah. I I, uh, I think I'm gonna save my questions about how this changed you towards more, you know, towards the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I Let's think we should just like traditional podcast structure. Yeah. Of the shows we've done for the last couple of seasons, and then at yeah. the end we'll kind of divulge why it's a different episode. Cool. Sounds
0: good to me. Hey, this was my first Wes Anderson film, actually. Uh, so you actually, I'd have you to thank for introducing me.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I think I think this was my second. Fantastic mm-hmm. Fox was my first. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, it, oh, Wes Anderson, he, I think. I think he, in my mind, is uh my favorite director of all Mm. time um i wouldn't necessarily say that he's the greatest but my my biased opinion is that he's my favorite right um he he's got he's got the most notable trademark for me you know all the top players kind of have their thing Mm -hmm. um, but wes anderson doesn't just have a thing his is a uh a stylization and right. I have mad respect for that. Like when you watch Wes Anderson and in interviews and things like that, the thing he holds like most dear to him is his, his quirks, his personality and what makes mm-hmm. him a person. And I feel like every single Wes Anderson movie is a personification of the director himself. Yeah, I could see that. Which I, I mean, I've got crazy respect for, um, and no matter what, like critics or anything like that says about his filmmaking style dude sticks with it. And it's like, I mean, even the French dispatch, which hasn't come out yet, but we know is, I think it, Mm -hmm. I think it's his most like quirky looking film yet.
0: Like I haven't seen the trailer for it. So I actually have no clue what, I I think I'm going to hold off from watching it too. I think I just want (laughs) to walk in fresh. So yeah. Walk in fresh. Love that. Again, like it's not like, it's not like, um, the, the stories, you know, tend to be pretty different for his films but at the same time you don't walk into for example you don't walk into a Zack snyder film not knowing that there's going to be a ton of slow-mo right you know so right it's the same thing here you don't walk into a wes anderson film not expecting that quirkiness that symmetry those pastel color you yeah. know palettes yeah, exactly so, exactly
1: um you
0: you you know what you're in for before you even get there so i love that
1: yeah, I do too. And beyond that, it's like, it's pure world development. Like mm-hmm. everything in a Wes Anderson movie is pure create creativity. Like mm-hmm. all I, I have this book from the graphic designer for the Grand Budapest Hotel, because every ounce of, of artwork down to the pastry boxes or uh you know small letters or or pieces of paper or propaganda that were in the film were all hired out meticulously designed and then like hand drawn to be props and and stage designs it's it's insane so between that and the costume design and Uh you know the personality of the characters that were created out of thin air. Like, I mean, you watch The Life Aquatic, and you're you're instantly hit with, "What the hell am I watching?" You know, like, yeah, it's so. And how can I wall. get those
0: Adidas shoes?
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so a buddy I had worked at Apple with him had a pair of the Zizu Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. That like Dude, those are super <laughs> rare to come by now. No. Yeah they 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 really are. But he was yeah. like he was an Andersonite. An Andersonian, yeah. even he was through and through. Knit ties, everything. Oh God! Anyway, I've got mad respect for the guy, um, but I don't think Life Aquatic is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Mm. But it wow, we're for getting sh- there already. Okay, it for sure <laughs> is. Uh, it for sure is the one that impacted me the most okay let's save it though
0: i want to yeah. ask this in the right moment yeah
1: absolutely yeah. okay oh i got chills don't ask me that
0: <laughs> um i i totally get that uh it's the first film of his that i watched and because of that it was uh, like my number one of, uh on my list of like wes anderson films for such such a long time um even m- as recently as just last year um until i watched it this time and um, more recently, more, more really because I just got the uh, Darjeeling Limited, uh, Blu-ray and I watched that recently and that was just incredible to me. Um, I think, I think I had nostalgia for this film because of how I watched it, who I was with, and uh, just like that, it's like a breath of fresh air watching a West Anderson film for the first time. It's something yes. totally different than anything else uh that's out there so i think after you watch a wes anderson film you can almost see that like there's so many other people like doing something similar to him maybe not like you know a-list directors but everywhere you see you'll see like uh, people doing the symmetry thing where it's like it feels almost like they're trying to do something that's already been established. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh it's kind of like annoying almost and I almost feel like I have to like s- like get M- Wes Anderson's back and be like this guy
1: sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny because like uh, who knows if if like Wes Anderson trademarked or 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 like <laughs> like coined symmetry but for sure he is the person we think of when it right. comes to I think, that you know yeah i think
0: right now he definitely is i'm sure that he i mean i i haven't really done a, uh too much research but i'm sure he's got his influences that kind of made him this way yeah um and i'd be curious to actually know uh who those influences are and i'm sure it goes way back into some like really art house french cinema kind
1: of thing yeah it's gotta be uh,
0: so I, I would love to know more about that i i guess i have my work uh, my homework cut out for me
1: <laughs> yeah so the life aquatic opens up with a uh a, i think it's dedicated to or at least inspired by jacques Cousteau, right
0: right but I they mean, couldn't really use his name i had read uh I think they actually did use his name once, but they—I think they reached out to his like estate to see if they could like make it as if um, his his—I uh, guess his uh, the guy who taught him to be who he is, uh, Steve Zissou, uh That his like—I'm trying to find the right word. There's a word for it, like, like when his somebody mentor? like yeah, his mentor, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that like in the movie they were going to try to portray as if his mentor was Jacques Cousteau <laughs> and like immediately his like estate came back and was like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I get it. I mean, I don't think Wes Anderson was very uh, established when this came out,
1: right? Right, right. Yeah, he. he this was his first like mainstream Thing, mm-hmm. the, the royal tenenbaums i guess was before this but it didn't really take off how he hoped it would mm-hmm. so this was kind of like his this honestly when you look at it this is kind of where his the majority of his trademarks like really started and come in you know like small brief uses of stop motion a lot of mm-hmm. slow-mo stuff and like The majority of the cast of this one stayed with him through the rest of them. Jeff Goldblum will be in all of them. Bill Murray, Mm -hmm. uh, Willem Dafoe's in a majority of the next ones. Yeah. Uh, Owen Wilson. Like, I think he really found his niche after he made this one. And Yeah, I could see that. I think critical response was not really what he had hoped for, Hmm. but his fan base that he was looking for latched on with The Life Aquatic. Um and then I think after this was The Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um I think- which is incredible like you said. I uh, I mean yeah. so you got the Blu-ray was that the first time you had seen it? No, uh I also borrowed
0: I think it was your your Blu-ray copy when we were in college and watched it there for the first time as well. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great, but I think I still held uh, Life Aquatic to higher esteem just because it was that like my first step into that world, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think we're not here to talk about Darjeeling no. <laughs> Unlimited, uh, Limited. No, But it is like one of those like I don't know what it is between Life Aquatic and Darjeeling Limited that just like it's almost like he takes a step up in like his style. Like it's almost like he solidifies what he started in life aquatic. And I think you can also see glimpses in his I didn't want I haven't watched Bottle Rocket, but I think you can see glimpses of what he was like almost molding his style to be in Rushmore and Royal Ten and Bombs. Yeah, you for sure but, can. But but I think I think Life Aquatic is where like he really starts establishing it. Right. And then I think Darjeeling, Darjeeling Limited is where he like knows exactly what he's doing. You know, like it's where he like kind of finds himself in the rhythm of the of the making of, and he just follows through with the rest of the film that he's made since then. Yeah. I also yeah. think he he has less pushback from studios after Life Aquatic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be right. You might be right. Or even with
0: Life Aquatic, I would say. I think he had more backing with Life Aquatic than he did with Royal Tenenbaums. I think Royal Tenenbaums still feels like a like a self-made movie, very indie right. style. Right. And then Life Aquatic kind of takes that step more into the uh, studio system, you know? Yep. Even though I think, I think if I remember correctly, it was, they were created by, or they were, um, the, it was produced by the same company, uh, Royal bombs and Life Aquatic. But I think it's just like the same thing when you think of like Nolan. Nolan decided to do Insomnia to show studios that he can make a studio film. And then, create trust there to then go on to do his next feature, you know, and I think it's the same thing here. I think he just has, he built trust with that studio and then did life aquatic, which I think life aquatic for what it is. It's an incredible film. I love it. I just don't think it's his best.
1: It's and neither do you. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I, at this moment and in even since I watched the life aquatic last, I don't know what his best is. Oh really? I, I don't. If you I had so to pick, what would you pick? I think I'd pick I Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: I was gonna say. I guess it's kind of different when you say like his best film versus your favorite film of his. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is his best. Yeah, I Which think Which is so. interesting because that's like—is that the only? No, Isle of Dogs was also fully um, yeah. animated, right? Or yeah, claymation, stop wanted. motion, stop motion. There you go. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah i think wallace and gromit is claymation right (laughs) which i guess is also stop motion but it is stop motion yeah these are more uh adjustable figurines (laughs) and not as much clay dolls i got you um yeah i think fantastic mr fox is his best and honestly you know there's a lot of work that goes into the the stylization of stop-motion film like that, but I think mm-hmm. it's his best purely from the screenwriting standpoint. And I was a fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox before I knew it was a movie, like when, when I just was reading it as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the adaptation from a children's book to a full-blown, like, not only like full-blown children's stop motion movie but like a, a stop motion film that can really appeal to an adult audience and like like convey emotional depth and his you know trademark creativity all of that inside of this really nice looking artful package you know mm-hmm. yeah i think i think that's his best work but Life Aquatic is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, that's true. So, so what do you what do you like about it? Life Aquatic. About Life Aquatic? Yeah. What what are, what are some of your biggest takeaways? <clears throat> I think I think from
0: this <laughs> I think from this last viewing, I as the film unfolded because I I didn't have a I didn't have a complete memory of what would happen throughout the film. Um, because it had been a, a while since I last watched it. Um, watching it this time, though, which I literally finished, I watched it in parts, which was a little bit infuriating because um, I forgot how much of a how much of a jerk Steve Zissou is throughout this film. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of times I would watch it and have to stop for whatever reason, have to go do something. And then when I would come back, I'm like, "Do I really want to f- keep watching this? <laughs> like, do I really want to keep going back to this jerk?" Right. Um. But somehow, at the end, Wes Anderson is able to like make me adore this jerk. Like, he's he's a jerk to everybody, every single person that he comes in contact with. <laughs> but somehow, I'm still able to like have this like connection to him and I guess just even being able to show that I mean even jerks have hearts so uh I actually felt very emotionally attached to the ending there in the the last 20 minutes that I was watching yeah it's uh it's very moving at the end and it's almost it, it it's crazy how Wes Anderson is able to I don't know how to say this but manipulate the audience into falling in love with these characters separately, but also having an emotional connection to these, uh, these characters when they're just being so stupid the entire time. And, and I don't, I don't say stupid in a bad way, but like I guess the quirkiness is something that you also fall in love with. So I think it's, it's difficult to, to think about it from a, I don't know, purely subjective point of view yeah but I I don't know there's just something about it that he's able to make me like like these really you know infuriating characters almost
1: you have hit it that is that is why this movie's on my list I oh shoot
0: how am I supposed to ask that question for you later (laughs) I you won't this is it It's, it's coming
1: out right now hold on let me let
0: me ask real quick hey so Brent why how or why has this movie this? changed
1: <laughs> <laughs> changed your life? Um, this movie specifically, Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. kind of in general, but The Life Aquatic uh, right. showed me that uh, uh, some of some of the most critical and like deep. Lessons and and things that we can learn from life can be conveyed in such a lighthearted and quirky art form. Mm-hmm. Uh Wes Anderson is the quirkiest filmmaker that we know. Uh the the most fun, I'd say lighthearted. So, yeah. Like there's no question about it. He mm-hmm. he but somehow he also manages to to tackle like some of the biggest things like steve zisu's character is struggling with a huge midlife crisis he's lost his best friend and he has no direction on where to go next yeah. almost as if he's completely lost what the meaning of life is to him yeah we're talking about a character who has like the biggest passion we're seeing like like directed passion from the beginning his mm-hmm. you know love for the ocean and ocean life but w- we drop in at a point in his life where he has no meaning in the middle of the movie or beginning I guess uh, someone who who claims to be or seems to be his son appears mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, that's supposed to give meaning to him, you know? Yeah. But he's still somehow struggling to find that meaning. 100%. Yeah. On the adverse, Ned <clears throat> is the same way. Ned is claiming to be Steve's son. And it's almost as if he's gone through his whole life not having meaning because he doesn't have a father. And once he's found his father and kind of joined forces with him, it's supposed to give him meaning, you know. So yeah. there's a fatherless son and a and, a, and a, a a a father who's living a life that's meaningless. Mm-hmm. But throughout the whole film, they're still struggling to find meaning in what they think was supposed to bring meaning to their lives, you know. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, the reason you found such a heartfelt connection is Steve found a meaning to life. Ned found a father and then they love each other. So we're talking about a son who was fatherless and mm-hmm. a person whose life was meaningless. And at the end, they found a resolution to both of their problems. But like you said, just wrapped in sheer stupidity, you know, <laughs> like. Everything we see happening on screen could divert us from these core values that he's trying to drive home, yet it doesn't. He keeps our attention with these antics, yet still makes us, like, understand the value in what he's showing us, you know? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I think the first
0: time I fell in love with this film was because of the quirkiness of Wes Anderson. And I think watching it this time, I think I've fallen more in love with the characters than with what Wes Anderson gives us. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know why because I don't fully comprehend this line at the end when, when uh, Steve Zissou says, I, I wonder if – it remembers me. I don't understand why, but that just gives me such like an emotional like, like uh, like like it was like a lightning hitting my chest of like, what is this delivery? <laughs> what is this like? <laughs> this emotion I'm feeling just from that one line, you know? Well,
1: it's it, I mean, it's it's this animal that, for lack of a better term, like ruined his life. Yeah, but he he was wondering if the animal saw it as just like a meaningless just another yeah, yeah. it's yeah. deep. it's such it a deep it's such it's a very deep, deep movie and and what another thing that's so unique and interesting about it is there is no development for these these other characters but mm-hmm. it there's a term for it in filmmaking and i can't quite come up with it right now but we're we're dropped into an instant of all these characters lives with no Mm -hmm. backstory but contextual backstory you know what i mean Mm mm-hmm like Kate blanchett for instance there is no backstory but along the way we pick up on on little tidbits of like the father of her child is not invested in her child's life and she's almost running away from something out here on the ocean with steve Mm -hmm. and she's looking for true connection and finds that you know klaus he had a tattered past and a bad connection to his father and saw Steve as that and Steve was looking for someone to father, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's so many connections, but without all that unnecessarily development, you know, obviously there's stories and there's films that require a little bit more laying out. And, you know, people like you and I, we eat that up too. Like Mm -hmm. if we didn't have Scorsese's plot, development and 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 film structuring skills you know we'd be lost we love what he does to bring us home to the end of a, a story like i yeah. love all that development but the idea that a beautiful story can happen with without all of that is it's captivating it's wonderful i agree yeah it seems like it's uh it's almost like a
0: i would i would almost say one of a kind of Um, film but it really isn't I feel like Wes Anderson is really able to deliver that in all of his films there's like this yeah there's like this emotional anchor in every single one of his films yeah that quirkiness aside and you know stupid stupid character choices aside um, there's always a stain in the middle of his film that that kind of anchors the 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 thing that he's trying to say with that film you know
1: yeah yeah, this, <laughs> it, that, it, it just constantly blows my mind. And I, I think that's, I think that's why he's my favorite director to, to be able to take something like quirk and like uniqueness and, and his true personality and still be able to like send messages and mm-hmm. do what art was made to do, you know, like touch people. Yeah.
0: I think, I think when it comes to directors, not all directors are artists, but there are some that are more than others. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think there's no question about it. I feel like Wes Anderson is an artist in in what he does, not For just sure. in not just in the framing of his work, not just in in uh, in the colors and all that, but but even in the in the way of his direction when it comes to having that quirkiness and then being able to somehow mitigate this like. This, this emotion from this film that really shouldn't have that at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like right. you could totally make this like a, a kid's movie and, you know, it, it, it'd it be no problem. Right. But somehow he's able to like put these themes into it who, who, uh, these themes that are able to like just like move an, a grown adult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, I had to hold back tears, uh, when I was watching it. Uh, last like an hour ago so it was uh it was good
1: yeah you gotta let those tears
0: flow my friend oh trust me I let tears flow all the time but (laughs) today was it was just it just because I I wasn't watching if I had watched the film
1: all in one sitting I'm sure I would have but yeah (laughs) yeah I mean yeah yeah Hey, did you know that uh, Noah Baumbach co-wrote this? Yeah, I
0: was so surprised because I watched the credits roll and Noah Bombach has a has a screenwriting credit. And I was like, whoa. Yeah.
1: And
0: it, it's actually got me curious. Did Noah, Had Noah Baumbach, uh directed anything bef- before this at this point yeah. in his uh, yeah, career?
1: I think Francis Ha came out before this did. Uh, okay. I think. Hmm.
0: 2004.
1: I think so. Are you looking it up?
0: No, it came out in 2012. But he had directed uh, something in 97 called Mr. Jealousy. Never heard of it. Um,
1: From what I understand, he did most of the writing for this. I mean,
0: yeah, I'm, it, I'm it, it feels like if I have to like really sit down, it does feel like a Noah Baumbach movie. But you could say, this, say the same thing about um, some of Noah Baumbach's films for Wes Anderson. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So... Yeah, they make a good pair. Yeah, I was surprised too that when I watched it this last time, that was the first time I'd realized that that he co-wrote. But I think it went r- really well for them.
0: <laughs> hey, I so I guess what you're saying all that reasons that you said that it's the this is a movie, the reason's why it changed you is the yes. reason why you would have picked this over another Wes Anderson film.
1: I think I think this does it the best, and and this was this was we're talking about films that changed us, right?
0: That's true. Yeah, it it is very subjective as well. So
1: this one was the first encounter I had with that concept. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Fantastic Fox was the first Wes Anderson movie I saw, Mm -hmm. and and that's what like opened my eyes to his quirk. But Mm -hmm. this was the first one that really like seeing through the quirkiness really conveyed like an emotional storyline. I mean, you said it yourself at the end, you're having to hold back tears, but Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing, it's fun. Like to be able to sit there and have a fun movie going experience, but at the same time, really get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that's what opened my eyes. And honestly, like the passion I have for, for film and for cinema, came from this movie like Ooh. like what, what drives me in visual storytelling and seeking out visual stories all started here so it had to be on the list mm-hmm. obviously yeah
0: I uh, I agree so it's what a good you one
1: wa- what are you watching
0: these days aside from the movies we have for this season yeah um, aside from that and aside from, um, uh, from Justice League that just came out on HBO, because I feel like the whole world has watched that movie. You think so? You don't think so? I, 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 I think like HBO said that like, it's the one movie that made the most money for them so far on, really? on HBO Max. Good That's those guys. I, They got so many like signups just because of it. Um, <clears throat> What am I... Oh, I watched Possessor the other day, actually. Oh. Have you... <laughs> what did you think? It was probably one of the gnarliest movies I've ever watched. Oh, I love that for you. Yeah,
1: have you, have you not watched it yet? <laughs> no, but I hear so many it's good so things gruesome. about it. It's it? so
0: gruesome. It's like the kind of movie where I had to, like, look away. I also watched the... Uh, I guess it's, like, the the unrated version or whatever. Oh. So, like, the... um, They have... They have the regular. I don't know if you if you see it. The poster is like yellow, but yeah. the unrated version, the poster is like red, and just gives you this
1: like this like feeling of like I don't know. Just, did you just, did you and Manu just, watch that together? No, we definitely did not. Is that not up her alley? <laughs> no, I think she would um, she would freak
0: out if she even like even the first <laughs> ten minutes is just like enough to want to like. I think if I had to like pick a movie that made me like visibly like want to throw up or like gag, this would be it. There's like it's oh, funny. There's no holds barred. Like in this uh, two, unrated there's version,
1: there's two movies I have for me like that. Oh, tell I, me Verbansky's C- Care for Wellness. Oh yeah, that was that was tough too. Yeah, I could I could the last like ten minutes of that movie, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I can yeah do it and then uh bone tomahawk have you seen bone tomahawk I have and I'm trying to remember any moments that I would there's have one, felt the same way one scene there's one scene where I, would, I and honestly it's probably because the, the whole movie there's nothing like this but then there's one scene it's like probably the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> and just like I
0: I, I'm, I can't remember it I can't remember it and if they're, that's they're
1: imprisoned in the the cave
0: oh yeah
1: those are the two but I've actually heard like this has made it on a lot of people's top 10 list for 2020. it's, it's really good and the the plot
0: is really interesting it's and not it really a gives movie me, right it's I think it's, it's violent, a horror movie. But it's I would not- put
1: it in the horror. <laughs> I yeah, would but put it's, it in a horror. More like, yeah. It's more like sci-fi horror,
0: right? It's not like. It's a. It's definitely a sci-fi. It's very like a. It feels like a psychological thriller in some points as yeah. well. It's a body swap but movie, right? It's not just a body swap movie. I, I don't know how to explain it
1: without like
0: ruining it for you. I think don't you're going to have to just. Because I no. will watch
1: it either tonight or tomorrow. <laughs>
0: I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> okay. Listen, it's it's got some like body horror elements to it. But also it's just like it's very gruesome in almost a way that doesn't like – doesn't need to be. Yeah. But I mean then again, you're watching a Cronenberg movie and it might right. not be the Cronenberg. It may only be his son. But even still, it's like it's – very, it's very in your face. And also like because it is like a body swap uh, sort of movie, there is an element of like suspense and like – Um, horror where it's like you don't know what's going to happen next with like this thing that's it's almost like a fight within their mind it's not like i don't know how to explain it you got to watch it it's it's a really good movie i it definitely made the top 10 for my list of 2020 Uh, but then again 2020 wasn't very the list wasn't very long so (laughs) so
1: if you had to (laughs) compare like this to Daddy Cronenberg's work how would you say because I mean I th- like Scanners was disgustingly violent yeah um,
0: it's up there I think I think I think Brandon Cronenberg is kind of like making his name with, with this I don't know I haven't watched any of his other films uh, what are Brandon other Cronenberg's films? Uh, I think he did um, he did a movie I had watched a while back anti-viral Anti- or something like that Oh, Antiviral, okay. yeah, I think it was what it was called. But I watched it a long time ago, and I don't remember it very well. So I don't, I don't, I don't think it was good. But I think because of like his just growing up around his father, there's all these things that would have totally kind of rubbed off on him, you know. Sure. I feel like, I feel like it could go both ways when you're a son of a director, especially a director to the caliber that Cronenberg is. Yeah. You're either going to like learn a lot of things and be really good at what you do if you take up the same mantle verse, or you're going to just be terrible because you think you know it all. <laughs> and right. You you don't know what you're doing, you know. Right. And you don't have or like you you can't make your own voice. You know, I feel like maybe that might be something that happens often. And I think that might be a reason why we don't see so many like father-son director combos, you know, because yeah. they probably are so stuck in like maybe they just don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like I would have a hard time if my father was a really big time director for me to like get out of a shadow and not do the same thing he was doing and like kind of make my own name and do my own things and have something to say, you know? Yeah. So I, I think Brandon Cronenberg is some, someone to watch because it's, uh, it's really interesting despite all the gruesome – horror elements in this film it's a really good film yeah
1: that's awesome i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to check it out
0: you should definitely check it out
1: what, what about you other than king uh what was it kong versus godzilla versus kong that you yeah. just watched uh, uh, please it's godzilla versus kong right i, I corrected myself <laughs> there is no kong versus godzilla <laughs> um yeah i watched cherry today the rest Ooh. of the way
0: yeah that was good i like that
1: cherry yeah I uh what do you think I, I'm struggling with a love hate um oh interesting this is it, it I thought it was super there was a lot of super creative elements to it visually those are the a things lot I loved. Of things I really liked about it that yeah I agree the the whole uh
0: scene where he's in the army and everything is done like really small on the screen it's like yes. only like two thirds of the screen taken up
1: yeah. I, I that, love that that choice. Yes, yeah, like centered. That, yeah, it's almost like four by three, but like shrunk down. It's really. it's 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 more. It looked like
0: more. It was like widescreen, but shrunk down. That's what it right. looked like to me. Yep. But it yeah. looked really. I liked the. I liked what he was trying to convey with it. You know, as far as like, it made it feel a little bit, you know. Like something he's thinking of or remembering, things like that, or it's more right. like something that happened yeah. in the past. The, but also, it just gave like this almost invalidity to what was happening on screen. Like, right, right, it's not it, it, like what, what were we doing back then, anyways? You know that kind of thing. Like,
1: it was like it was like the personification of a flashback in a way. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to say it was a flashback. The screen was telling you it was, it was a flashback. Telling you, yeah, but yeah. I
0: also I just love the idea of making it like a, a smaller image because yeah. it's almost giving this moment like insignificance as far as like I think that the Russo brothers were trying to like kind of give some um some they I think they had something to say about just the war on terror in general sure. in that right. in that scene specifically in those yeah. scenes, so I think it was just giving like this less of an insignificant like. Th- I don't know like an invalidity to it Like it was just smaller than what it should Be on screen yeah yeah I don't know
1: Uh, I may be reading too
0: much into it
1: (laughs) Yeah you might you might be But at the same time there's got to be something there because Like that I see what you're saying about that Kind of like prostrating itself To be like Invalid but at the same time it's Almost like that period of his life played The biggest part in his future you know
0: Yeah that's true
1: or, but, or maybe they were just saying like this was just a small little chunk of his life because he was only gone for like two years. So then maybe yeah. the next parts, then we see the massive piece of his life, which was prison. Yeah. So maybe that but was like – You didn't like it all the way. Here's what happened. I loved – the uh, p- like pure visual storytelling mm-hmm. that we're talking about right now, so many visual elements in the first half and then the second mm-hmm. half. And honestly, that might be because there was so much happening in his life. Yeah. The first half of the movie. And then the second half, it kind of like plateaued in a mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Tom Holland is master force. Like, yeah incredible for somebody his age to 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 do so much good work already yeah I, it took me a
0: while to um get the fact that he is the marvel poster boy right now out, yeah. of, out of my mind as i started watching the film because right. so many f-bombs right away and i'm like yeah. whoa what's going yeah. on like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? mouth Spider Man. Spider-Man. Really <laughs> intense
1: stuff too. Like yeah, like yeah, definitely. Uh, bringing it up again, like Requiem for a Dream level, yeah. like drug abuse and like, but like more pa- life, more palatable, impact. more yeah. palatable. I think. Right.
0: Yeah. I I I'm I'm interested to see where the Russo brothers go from here because it was yeah. it was a nice breath of fresh air to see them away from Marvel and see what they can do on a bigger scale
1: than well, what they they've were doing already before. They for another Marvel film, haven't they? Oh, did they? I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It It's almost like this was kind of a break for them. I would
0: have, I think I would have walked away if I was them. I would have walked away from Marvel at that point, maybe come back like in 10 years because like they gave so much to Marvel already. <laughs> I feel like I would have like just gone off to do something else. But then again, I guess they, they can whenever they want because they have that product. they started their production company, which I think Cherry was their first film with that production company. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it for what it was and for who was making it and knowing that they can they can do something totally different than what they have been we've been seeing them do for the last ten years. Yeah. So it was nice to have uh, that. But yeah, I think as the film itself, with only its merits as like what it is, I think it's it's a, it's a good movie. It's it's good.
1: Yeah. 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 Love that Joe made another cameo. I think that might be his thing. <laughs> yeah. His, uh I wonder why, movies. yeah, I wonder
0: why, uh, is it
1: Anthony, the other one? Anthony's the other one. Yeah. The taller, yeah, I wonder why one.
0: he doesn't ever make any cameos.
1: Maybe he I just doesn't. He's, he's I just wonder if he's the, like managing the crew while, uh, <laughs> yeah. Joe's on screen. For I wonder if
0: he just doesn't like have the acting chops. He doesn't think that he has the acting chops. He yeah. doesn't believe in himself. Come on. Come on, Anthony. <laughs> Come on, Anthony. <laughs> uh, Joe's doing no. good. I, I like Joe in his, uh, his little uh, roles.
1: I do too. I, I mean, let's just keep it at that. Like we don't yeah, need. That's we true. don't need more than two minutes of Joe. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I uh, like his yeah. little cameo in uh, Endgame, though. It was good. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I think he did a, a good little job, and yeah. he. Uh, it's kind of the same exact role in this one too. Like, yeah, that's the not same that far off. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I liked it. I liked it. Um, but yeah, other than that, cherry. Godzilla v. Kong?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm getting excited. I'm going to log off here and immediately turn it on.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll see you later. All right, bye. <laughs> no, but seriously, I uh, I, I, think, uh, yeah, The Life Aquatic. Am I right? It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's more than good. It's great. It's great. It changed it, my I, life. I would agree. It is a great movie. Maybe we should end every episode with... The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. That's a film that changed my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is it all downhill from here? Is
0: it the, like the your number 1 movie from your list?
1: Uh, you know, I got to say this one is the one that impacted me emotionally. Mm. The rest of them impacted the way I view making and cinema and stuff like that interesting that's so, a good question to ask why is it
0: like yeah. in what element did this film actually impact you? yeah
1: and i guess yeah it,
0: i think the emotionally is such a striking film especially when he gets to the end yeah
1: yeah I, I mean it'll go to my grave i think that wes anderson is my favorite director i don't i believe I, you <laughs> i don't think that anyone else will come along in my lifetime that will impact me the way he has yeah um that being said, my lord, there's tons of greats out there. there's nobody's a lot yeah. arguing like there I can list 30 great directors right now, but <laughs> nobody's gonna impact me the way old West did. Yeah. On that note,
0: I feel like the the next episode is gonna be a different turn. On yeah, so why? What are, why? Would, what? What should we talk about next? I will say that I mean, there's a lot to pick from, but I think we're let's just do Silence of the Lambs. Perfect. Cool.
1: Silence of the Lambs. That is about farming in the Midwest. It's a documentary, <laughs> 100%. right?
0: One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. No, maybe I'm getting confused with so Panic Room. Pan, there you go. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, panic Room with Anthony Hopkins, Jodie Foster. Um, yeah, pretty good.
0: Yeah, that'll be the uh, next episode. Let's do it. Cool.
1: Perfect. Uh, well, my friend, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. I'm oh, no, so glad that our mine. friendship has been able to stay ignited through our love for God. cinema like this. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll see you next time as we talk cannibalism. See you, dude. All right, the... <laughs>